everybody and welcome to the Cane and Rinse podcast, volume 5, issue 229. As you know by now, and as quite a few of you are doing, you can play along with our show, play the games as we're about to podcast about them, or after, you can save the podcast for when you're finished, it's fine. Uh, if you want to do that, the next few games we've got coming up are Crazy Taxi. After that, we return to The Legend of Zelda with The Wind Waker. Following that, 80 Days... Then Rock Band, the Rock Band series, that is. And after that, Telltale's The Wolf Among Us. As I always tell you, and some of you listen, head to canorince.com, where you can find articles, features, the occasional review, but also links to our forum, our Facebook page, which is where we disseminate news from around the internet about video games into your stream. And we also have a YouTube channel where you can find original video content, mostly from Darren Gargett, but also from other folks. And uh, like and follow and subscribe to all that stuff. And if you enjoy all that stuff that we do, you can support us. Uh, You can support us emotionally by leaving us reviews and ratings and reviews on iTunes or wherever else. You can support us financially, which is uh, via our patreon.com slash canerince. You can donate a dollar a month or whatever you feel. And that helps us keep on trucking, pays for our time and our efforts and our hosting fees and all that sort of thing. Uh, Software, hardware when needed. Um, When I say software, I don't mean games, by the way. I mean recording software. Although you never know. (laughs) Uh, If you you prefer to get something uh, physical and lovely in return for any cash you'd care to donate our way, we have a shop at spreadshirt.co.uk slash canerince. And you can get some really very nice T-shirts. Uh, for both Cane uh, Rinse and Sound of Play and bags uh, emblazoned with our excellent logo. As I said there, Sound of Play, that's our other podcast, Video Games Music, but also it's the podcast where we uh, put our feet up a little, have a bit more of a general chat about things. Uh, so if you like those slightly more sort of uh, chilled out podcasts, that's a good sort of uh, avenue for that. Um, but mainly it's about the love of video games music and we share pieces from uh, the history of the medium, selections from our community as always and uh, occasionally we feature guests on that show. As I say, subscribe, review and rate those shows on iTunes or Stitcher or TuneIn or wherever you get them and we will love you for it. Thanks for listening. Now joining me, I used to play football, Leon Cox, in issue 229 are, well, road cones protect his head, James Carter. Brains. And, lucky boy, he has a screen door shield, Ryan Heyman. We're coming. (laughs) We're here. Plants (laughs) vs. Zombies. Uh, So, PopCap made this, and uh, it's really the work mainly of four people. The lead designer is one George Fan. Uh, And he contacted the uh, musician, composer and sound person, Laura Shigehara. And I believe they actually uh, got together in a relationship uh, throughout the course of making this game. That's a sweet story. Um, And the artist will come to later. Uh, So the game came out originally. It was a desktop game. This is something that I've seen often quoted uh, saying that uh, Plants vs. Zombies, great handheld game, you know, so on and so forth. It certainly became a handheld game. It came to iOS in 2010, but quite some months before that, it was released originally on PC and Mac. 
in uh, May 2009. Then it arrived over the course of a couple of years, first on Xbox Live Arcade, Nintendo DS and a download as DSiWare, PS3 version, much like the XBLA version, then Android, uh, Windows Phone, Vita, and latterly in 2013, the BlackBerry, BlackBerry 10. Is BlackBerry still going? I assume it is. Nobody knows. So the reviews for this game were uh, really rather positive and the highest ranked version according to game critics, uh, although it's only based on eight reviews, is the iOS version um, with 90.62%. The the 360 version with 22 reviews, just under 90%. And the PC version with the most reviews, 31%, still nets a very, very creditable 88.32%. I know you care about the point three two, but I think it's important to acknowledge that how well it was reviewed at the time, uh, albeit now that was seven years ago that original version, just over in fact. Uh, it won some awards as well. Uh, it was nominated for Casual Game of the Year and Outstanding Achievement in Game Design, uh, Interactive Achievement Awards from the Academy of Interactive Arts and Scientists, and also nominations for Best Game Design Innovation and Best Download Game uh, for the Game Developers Choice Awards. So actually, I say it's uh, I say it won awards. It looks like it was nominated for a load of awards. It doesn't actually. Uh, maybe it didn't win any of those. Anyway, uh, our personal histories with the game remembering all the way back let's start with ryan Ooh, you know it's hard to remember where i played this first i think it was on pc it's it's one of those games where like, it's difficult to not get multiple free copies of this game on pretty much any platform that you own but um, that's true yeah I, i've played this on pc i played this on iphone um i played this on uh the ps vita that we got from ps plus one month uh, but my my primary system that i've uh yes enjoyed my time with it the most is the pc version and yeah just looking at my steam here it looks like i've spent some 183 hours in it (laughs) that's that's a lot you 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 qualify uh for this (laughs) for this podcast so the adventure mode takes i guess about i don't know eight nine hours or something maybe not even that um so that means you must have played a lot of the various other modes that we'll discuss later Either that or you just played adventure mode over and over again. I think a little bit of that time was spent kind of like idling in that Zen garden mode. So I don't know how how descriptive those hours really are, but there, you know, there's a, there's a fair amount of time dedicated. I can't imagine you spent, I can't imagine you spent hundreds of hours in the Zen garden. (laughs) That's probably not true. (laughs) Depends how much cash you wanted to farm, I suppose. That's right. Yeah, that's true. Well, there, yeah. I mean, we'll talk about Crazy Dave, but I, I was looking looking at his store on the iOS version, and you really could spend an extraordinary amount of money. But then on the iOS version, you can buy that money for real money. So that uh, I suspect that the economy is slightly different in the um, in the iOS version to the mm. to the other versions. James, how about you? How have you played this, and how much? Um, so my first encounter with. It was on release day, uh, 16th of February 2010, I believe, is is the date I've got recorded as when I picked it up for the princely sum of £1.79. Bargain. Um, would have been probably $1.99, I guess, would have been the conversion, because, yeah. well, that's, that about, that's when, about right now. That but, was still <laughs> when a lot of iOS games were still 59p, so this was, you know, premium it, it price. It was premium, but a lot less than other versions of the game thereafter, which maybe explains why there were in-app purchases. Um, yeah, so I, I'd heard yeah. at the time... 
a lot of buzz about the game coming to mobile platforms. I didn't get the sense that it was from people who'd played it on PC necessarily, but um, yeah, that was certainly where I first encountered it was iOS. Um, later that year, I actually ditched um, ditched my iPhone, uh, but not wanting to ditch Plants vs. Zombies, I picked it up uh, late summer, probably some kind of sale um, on, on uh, Steam. It was the Game of the Year edition um, at that point. Picked it up there, uh, and also when it came out in two thousand, early two thousand twelve, I want to say I picked it up on Vita. Uh, whenever it came mm. out, basically, I picked that's it up. Right. It was after Vita's launch. Um, it it yes. came out, uh, came to Vita, uh, and that's where I, until this last week, had played most of it. Um, I I got the platinum on the Vita version, um, just because it's it's kind of really easy to play on a handheld system. Um, easy just to sort of pick up and fill some time with um so yeah yeah i've kind of played three different versions of it all told now totaling quite a few hours maybe not as uh, many as ryan not as many as ryan on any one of those platforms but it's probably around the 50 mark on both mm. pc and vita so uh and ios i just played through adventure mode because at that point it didn't have a lot of the extra stuff i don't think so uh, yeah. it might have been a bit more limited in how much there really was to do back then yeah, Back absolutely. Then. It was only seven years well, ago. <laughs> seven years ago. That's you know, it's a significant amount of time, and you've played a healthy or perhaps unhealthy amount. Um, yeah, oh, I also healthy. Yeah, I also started with the iOS version. I didn't have a PC at the time. I remember seeing the Edge review. I think it was a nine out of ten review. Mm. Um, so it would have been yeah, the first half of uh, of two thousand and nine. Um, adds uh, sort of mixed feelings about PopCap. Um, I hadn't played Peggle at that point I don't think but I remember Edge sort of evangelizing Peggle I, I knew roughly what it was about that it was a kind of you know pachinko thing but that didn't come to uh, consoles until a bit later either I don't think um, yeah, yeah. maybe I had played it by then I'm not entirely sure but I had played a lot of Zuma but I had mixed feelings about PopCap's early days which is basically where they took old vintage Japanese arcade games and ripped them off royally and <laughs> made very polished accessible versions for the for the quotes casual market so um, but it looked cute from screenshots this Plants vs Zombies thing and I was intrigued by this 9 out of 10 score for this what looked like a rather overly simplified tower defence game to me um, so I, uh, I got a second gen I think iPod Touch uh, in 2009 and, and uh, it was I think I, I think I got the that version ios version as soon as it came out pretty much and played it on on my then commute to work for some weeks in a row um and that hardware was actually struggling with the later uh, stages um it was just about playable but it slowed down quite a lot um under the weight of all the peas and zombies uh, flying in various directions um but i i completed the adventure mode and and dabbled a little bit with the other stuff but as um as you said, James, I think a lot of the modes have since been added in over over time. Um, I remember it wasn't, it didn't have a load of uh, a load of extra stuff to do back then. Some, but nothing to grab me. And since then, uh, yes, I've uh, received. I bought I bought it on 360 when it came out. I think, but it's since been given away uh, with games with gold. As we mentioned, it's been free on PS Plus, so I have it on PlayStation platforms as well. I've played it some on there. I completed it on the 360. Um, EA gave it away uh, who now own PopCap they gave it away on their uh, Origin platform on with their on the house uh, promotion um, 
And yeah, so I've got multiple versions of it. I've completed it several times in adventure mode and dabbled with the, with the other modes as well. I got most of the achievements on 360 mode. Uh, and for this podcast, I've been back to it on iOS. Uh, I was going to play the PS3 version because it's the one I've played the least, but uh, my PS3 is acting up, so I went back to it on iOS. And there are a couple of little differences other than the economy that I noticed that we'll talk about. So uh, this was, I think, just about the second game of director George Fans, uh, who said he wanted to make a game that balanced uh, the gritty and the sickeningly cute. Um, he wanted a strategic game that was uh, would appeal to the more experienced gamer, while also keeping it simple enough to appeal to the casual market um, without having to, uh, you know, hold their hands through tutorials and that sort of thing. Um, I don't know if that was just his choice or whether that was, you know, PopCap's philosophy, obviously playing on his his uh, his design documents. Um, his previous game was one that I'm not familiar with. It's called An- Insan Aquarium. And a brief a brief look on Steam tells me that it may be a relation of PopCap's feeding frenzy. But I don't think any of us has played Insan Aquarium, have we? I played a little bit of this back in the old days. Oh, I think did? It, it okay. goes back to there were a few games like this on uh on the like new grounds and addicting games back when you know that whole internet flash mm. game thing was happening um but I, I think this was kind of like a proto idol game like you'd see the the cookie clickers and the uh, clicker heroes and stuff of today um this was just kind of managing a a fishbowl and uh you know putting um Whereas Feeding Frenzy, you'd control the actual fish. This one was uh, just, you know, dropping the fish food and, and watching them eat it and get bigger and drop money and, uh, you know, managing kind of like a like a um, like a fish tycoon kind of thing almost, <laughs> but not quite as involved. Yeah. Nice. Uh, so influences are said to include uh, Magic the Gathering, which I guess is the sort of seed packets the uh, that, that pop up. Um, possibly some other elements. Uh, Warcraft 3, uh, the the uh, vintage Midway arcade game Tapper or Root Beer Tapper or uh, Bud Budweiser Tapper, I think was the li- uh, the licensed version. Um, also ele- uh, elements of inspiration from the film Swiss Family Robinson, uh, where the family defends against uh, pirates um, as the pirates were defeated by mashed potatoes in in that uh, in that movie. Um, we have the potato mine in Plants vs Zombies. Uh, and it was discovered during development that um, newcomers found the concept of the sun collection. The sun is your uh, your in-game, your building resource, uh, the one and only. There's also cash, but that's used outside of the game to buy uh, things to take into the game, or sometimes not. Um, but... The pricing of the sunflower was uh, was dropped from it, its working value of 100 to 50. Uh, otherwise, uh, players were too reliant on getting the pea shooter in, which was 100. Um, but obviously, that wouldn't leave you with enough the player with enough sun to kind of continue building um, as as the zombie horde kind of started to mount up. So, mm. so that was an in, you know that was a key tweak that. Um, you know, changed changed the balance um, of of the entire game, and obviously would have had a knock on effect. Other interesting uh, fact: the game was initially known as Weedlings, um, but another working title was uh, the Fantastic Lawn of the Dead. <laughs> um, but they decided not to go with that one um, because I think George A. Romero's uh, people are notoriously litigious. Um, hence the 
sort of disclaimer on the box art of mm. uh, of Dead Rising on the 360 and stuff <laughs> like that. So well, that all goes back to the acrimonious split uh, after the Night of the Living Dead film. Uh, where the, right. the living dead part of that ended up going uh, one way, and George A. Romero took the of the dead. Um, oh, okay. Out. So, um, so yeah, that's why that happened. I forget the ins and outs of that, but it was definitely a split huh. there. Um, so, Night of the Living Dead kind of ended up going in two directions. Um, but by this point, uh, sort of two thousand and nine ish, um, George Romero's films had kind of come back into their own, helped by sort of Shaun and of the Dead and stuff like that. And mm. so he he was making a film every year with the in the of the Dead series, the Diary of the Dead must have been somewhere shortly before this. So yeah, I imagine yeah. Lawn of the Dead may well have been a film in the works, but certainly <laughs> would have would have tread slightly too close to that, to that franchise. So. Yeah. Um, and on the subject of the the sort of the the title, the final title, Plants vs Zombies, and uh, and the design doc, uh, our uh, irregular regular correspondent Glenn Watts, <clears throat> aka Flabio, uh, a professional games designer himself, says not a game I know that well, but it does have one of the greatest examples of character design teaches gameplay implicit implicitly there's ever been. How do you teach the player that you plonk things down that don't move so that they can attack things that relentlessly move in a straight line, make them plants and zombies? Bam, new player instantly understands that mechanic without you having to explain it at all. Uh, which I, I think he's spot on with that. It's right yeah. in the title, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, um, absolutely. And it's, it's hard now because we're so familiar with it, plants versus zombies. It's like we know what it is. We've played it. We've played it a ton. We, we know. It. But actually, when you first heard that title, it was slightly, you know, sort of bewildering like plants versus zombies i don't know it's like <laughs> it didn't you know it didn't necessarily i mean it, it, it exact did exactly what glenn says there but it didn't necessarily make me think well that'll be an exciting game plants <laughs> versus zombies no i think, um, I think glenn's uh, point spot on the once you see it in action yeah you immediately get what it is um then the title helps with that it's interesting because you were talking about previous games where they'd kind of uh, i guess Bookworm comes under that, as does Bejeweled, just being a match three puzzler. Um, yeah. And even Peggle, I mean, that's that's Pachinko. I mean, it's totally. it, it, these yeah. are all sort of ripped off uh, concepts, so people are going to, to a certain degree, understand what they are inherently if you've ever played Scrabble or um, any kind of match three game. Even playing something like Tetris or Columns would would help know what not what Bejeweled was all about um so it didn't quite matter so much to get across in the title what the game was about if that makes sense uh whereas in this one uh they obviously had to do a lot more to teach the player what is possibly going to be unfamiliar I mean tower defense games certainly weren't familiar by that by uh, weren't unfamiliar by 2009 uh especially on mobile platforms but um but getting that across to players who maybe haven't seen one before uh, is probably key to making this game the success it seems to have been. So I think my talking about the, the the fundamental designs of this game, I think one of my key reservations, although I like the look of the art and um, and that review, that Edge Nine, you know, intrigued me. I was just thinking, uh, you know, I'm somebody who I can enjoy a bit of uh, of a tower defense game, um, and I think by this stage the, the, there was already a certain amount of fatigue. The kind of the craze for 
desktop tower defense games had kind of waned. But that said, you know, they're still coming out and you often get given those on um, games with Golden PlayStation mm. Plus. And I, I can still have a certain amount of fun with uh, Defense Grid and, and things like that. There's so many of them, I can't remember their names. But uh, obviously there's um, Pixel Junk Monsters and things like that. But they all feature, or pretty much all feature... Um, mazy paths for the enemies mm. to get to your base and kind of the whole point of those games is as well as managing your resources is strategically placing items along the mazy paths the you know working out the pinch points and actually just you know predicting where they're going to go and then basing your defense entirely around the maze that they take and which units go through which mazes and sometimes there's a certain amount of you know play that level again because you know you and, and maybe that's what this is avoids but my reservation was that without all that with just lanes and you know a grid that this would be really dull um kind of just stuff marching from right to left so um uh, one thing I, I would like us to try to get to the bottom of is why, you know, given the reviews and given the fact that we've all put tons of hours into this, why isn't it boring? Well, I, I do like the, I think, although it is simpler than the typical tower defense, I like it a little bit better of myself just because uh -huh. it's a little bit easier for me to conceptualize, like protecting one of, you know, five or six lines rather than like the typical tower defense formula, which is like, um, which is is protecting corners along the way, points that enemies can move in and out of. And so, you know, when you set up a defense, then you are, uh, you know, that that one defense is going to be doing a chunk of the enemy's, you know, health damage um, while it is within a certain radius, which is, you know, a little calculation you have to do within your own mind, like, you know, depending on how, quickly it's moving depending on what route it's taking how much time will it spend in this radius and um just all of that mm. always made me feel like i just wasn't getting the most out of my tower defense units and so it kind of you know put me off the or the uh genre was not really one that i ever got on with but i think plants versus zombies just kind of like simplified it in a way and i could say like if a pea shooter if a like a frozen pea shooter for example is in this lane then it will you know attack these zombies and there's you know no way around that like that that's just what happens simpler yeah i think the the sorts of uh tower defense games i'm thinking of when, when you when i hear you talk uh about sort of maze um tower defense games it, it's a single path so it's one very very long path that by the end of you have to make sure all the enemies are are dead preferably and also in a lot of those cases the towers are off that path so they're never under attack it's just whittling down the enemy horde as they get there that's not universal but certainly the ones i've played star defense right. on ios being a particular example um mm. it, it's a mazy path like a river and you're kind of putting towers on the river bank um, and what they've done here is chop up that one long path into five shorter paths. Um, so it means that you're multitasking in a much more intense way, I think, because um, you're having to manage five fronts where the zombies are coming at you. And the other thing is um, having it as head to head across those five lanes means that there is kind of a front at which you want to set. And it can be moved forward or back, but you want to kind of have your plant up to a certain point and say by the time the zombies get here they all need to be dead so it's it's overlapping but asking you to multitask five lanes at once um, and what it means is you can kind of 
you you can put your resource ma- your resource uh, generating sunflowers at the back, furthest away from the zombies, and put your uh, most short range heavy hitting uh, stuff at the front. So um, it just comes down to multitasking, but it also gives a lot of variety in how each lane is set up and how lanes go from front to back. And that gets even more so as you get more and more plants that go on there. Some of them take up two spaces. Some of them impact enemies across multiple lanes. Um, as Ryan's saying, some of them slow enemies down, so you want to make sure you've got a good spread there as well. And it just it gives a lot of creativity in that grid as to how you particularly configure it all, uh, which I really like about it. Yeah, we'll talk about our sort of preferred strategies and mm. favourite builds a bit further down the line because um, I think a lot of these levels, there probably are multiple ways to solve them, but I'm now, having played through the adventure mode three times, I've probably used very similar s- strategies each playthrough but there are there are certain plants like the lane changing garlic and the and the the mushroom waking up coffee bean so you can have the uh, you know the fungus is fungi funguses <laughs> you can have the fungi during the day like i've never just never needed to use those in adventure mode i i imagine some of them may come into their own more in in the in the sort of survival or or uh, you know the endless type modes i don't know but depends um, if you want to use a uh, gloom shroom yeah yeah. which is uh, uh, devastating when it gets to survival endless uh, okay well hold that thought yeah, uh, let's talk a bit let's talk about the presentation because um, i think uh i think it does a lot for me to to drag me in as i say i saw the screenshot i saw the i saw the score of course i also saw the screenshot and i thought i you know i like the, this this game looks appealing um it looked you know, like it had a certain charm to it. Um, George Fans said that uh, he uh, sort of made pixel art for the game when it was early in development, um, which could have worked, I imagine. Um, but they searched for an artist and they got in Rich Werner, um, who uh, Fan felt was a good fit. Um, and uh, the suggestion by the main programmer, Todd Semple, was um, that they animate it in Flash and then export it into the game. Um, George Fan was worried that it would have that sort of cardboard cutout paper look and look a bit South Parkish or something. Um, but in the end, he, he was uh, said he was he was happy with it. Um, and I think it does um, it does have a certain look of the of the the, the cutouts about it. But I don't think it's um, to its detriment i don't think it, it doesn't it doesn't look like a game that's entirely made out of paper and card it it has its own um sort of richness uh of of character design and it, it's odd because it, it's the sort of thing you know i've i've played umpteen games again lots of them have been you know given away on playstation plus or whatever where you've got uh you know comedy zombie games games with funny zombies and they're just really like Meh, you know it's it's so much about the actual you know the actual art style the look the fa- the look on their faces and um you know like i like the fact that the pea shooters of uh and everything even like even even down to the lily pads that you put on a pool um in a sort of rare style they've got they've got little eyeballs shifting <laughs> yeah. about and yeah. everything I look kind of bounces as well like the plants all kind of do this kind of uh, uh sunflowers particularly have this kind of bouncy motion that reminds me a bit of the grass in Zelda um and it's all very you know it's very um sort of children's cartoony in a lot of ways but I I think it it really um it's clear and simple and and sweet and and helps to draw me in how do you feel about the art? 
I think the the character design is really fun. Like listeners of the podcast and readers of the website will know, like I'm a big fan of just kind of like fun horror in general. Um, I've always Mm. been a bit wary of zombie materials. I think especially around the time that this came out because it had grown to have like such ubiquity among the kind of like, oh, we think we're being funny type of, uh, you know, comedy book writers and you'd go into a Barnes and Noble and just see walls full of like identical zombie survival guides. And, um, and it's cause you know, zombies are easy to write for. And so, um, and so by this point there were just tons and tons and tons of zombie material, uh, which is never enough to completely put me off of something. Like if it, you know, proves itself as being an interesting property, then I will play it zombies or not. But it it does definitely count against it in my eyes, even today when I'm looking at something and it's like, and it has zombies like, okay, well, not discounting you, but I am less interested than I was just a second ago. But, um, but I do like the design of these particular zombies. Um, you know, I, I like that they, they don't go too far into the zombie mythology. You know, they don't really, um, they don't really, uh, guess give a sense that the world is destroyed or that the, you know, the apocalypse is upon us or anything. They don't get too self-serious with it, which a lot of no. uh, these zombie properties do. I remember that, uh, that original dead rising three trailer that they showed back when they revealed the X-Bone and just how like self-serious it all was. And it's like, that's not really what zombies are about. Even like they've always been tongue in cheek and you know, they, they, they kind of started as a comedy thing almost like night of the living dead. They were called ghouls. And you know, when they started to, uh, take on the zombie name in later films and properties and stuff. Um, you know, they were pretty firmly tongue in cheek in this kind of like black humor gruesome kind of way. Um, and so, yeah, I, I always like when they have like a kind of a lighter air about them. Um, but yeah, the, this, these zombies don't feel like they are kind of decrepit undead versions of people who had died in, in gruesome, terrible ways. Like, it doesn't feel like each zombie even represents a no longer living person. Like these zombies feel like, uh, you know, like those little books you'd read as a kid about like, you know, all the Frankenstein monsters and Dracula's that, you know, live in a castle together and just have a good old time. Like these were just created as zombies. Like the groovy ghoulies. (laughs) Yeah. It was an old American cartoon from the sixties, I think. Yeah, yeah. So these were just, you know, zombies by birth somehow. But um, yeah, although the song implies, you know, that they are dead because it says they used to play football. But uh, but yeah, yeah, it's it's very tongue in cheek. And um, yeah, it it does remind me of. uh, Yeah, there was an old British comic as well. Um, I can't remember what the uh, maybe it was just called the character's name, but he was he was called Frankie Steen. And he was like a, you know, like a big goofy frankenstein's monster and yeah he had you know he lived in a castle and he had friends and he was basically just you know a big kid in a comic book but he just happened to be you know have horror like adventures um so yeah it reminds me of all that stuff it's very it's very amiable and um yeah and there's 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 some of the music's a little creepy we'll get onto music but i think overall the the vibe is it's very warm and friendly um it's not like it's not like one of those things that's kind of funny creepy it's just kind of it's kind of nice it's just kind of it's kind of it's a smiley game i think 
I think partly the um, the type of game it is helps with that. I mean, in terms of being a tower defense, because you need the plants to be very, very distinct from one another, and you need the zombies to be very, very distinct from one another. So you're in no question when you plop a plant down uh, against a particular zombie of what the plant does and what you can expect from the zombie in terms of how quick it moves, whether it's likely to hop over something or how quickly it eats something or, you know, all, all the, the differences between the zombies. Um, and that really lends itself to being, for, for the art to be incredibly stylized uh, because if they looked more realistic, would you necessarily be able to tell the difference between them? Making them more stylized at least makes them in that kind of classic Nintendo style, uh, you know, of silhouette um, design where you can pick out each plant and each each zombie just by uh, by its sort of gestalt, by its sort of key attributes. Um, I think it's interesting um, that Leon, you raise the fact that uh, George was was kind of worried that it might look too. Um, sort of cut out paper style, you know, uh, paper art, if you like, uh, because of course the iZombie mode leans into that particular art style. They look even more cut out from paper. They've got a white line around the plants. So iZombie, where you you play as zombies and you're trying to attack yeah, five rows yeah. of plants, they've actually got a paper sort of cut out style right. for, yeah. for the plants in particular and they still animate them so once you plop a zombie down they start shooting etc and the animation's the same as it would be in the game but they do look more sort of paper cut out um, yeah. I'm not entirely sure why they did that but it's interesting that after being concerned about that he obviously didn't feel it was an issue for the main game and decided hmm. to go with that or between them they decided to go with that for one of the modes of the game and then there's the music I consider this game it, to me, it sort of feels like a musical. Um, I booted it up on PC earlier, and the music didn't start for some reason. Um, and I wasn't having that. I had to uh, <laughs> go out and go back in um, to make sure the music starts. So from the from the minute you boot it up, um, as well as you know, kind of amusing uh, voice samples and stuff, and so really odd sound effects, uh, like the end of level cheer is just really weird. Um, this sort of quiet hush, sort of crowd cheer when you get a new item i've never quite never quite understood it but i sort of like it um i thought that something was wrong with it but it's the same on every version so it's <laughs> i guess that's what it is um and as well as the the sort of cacophony of uh peas hitting buckets uh and things on heads and the endless munching of uh zombies trying to make their way through walnuts and tornuts and actually your plants themselves um the soundtrack I, for me is uh, laura shigeru's music is is important as well because again as, as i said it does um some of it has a very slightly um you know sort of classic horror vibe to it but it's also got um it's also got a bit of funk to it and it's melodic um she said she tried to make it have a danny elfman sort of a feel um and uh, yeah, there's several tunes throughout the game. The one thing I don't like about the iOS version, and, and I've uh, I've compared this, and, and I'm definitely not imagining it, but the the console and PC versions, when when you get a big wave of zombies, the uh, percussion uh, kicks up a notch, and you get a whole sort of extra uh, kind of um, beat behind the action, a drum and uh, a, a kick drum and a snare. Um, 
and the, and the sort of tempo of the music picks up, but the iOS version just doesn't seem to have that, and I have no idea why. I'm sure it wouldn't, you know, wouldn't be an issue to have it in there. But, um, but were, yeah, were I like it. Were there size restrictions on iOS games at that there point? There may have been back maybe. then, but um, given how much they've added into that game, it seems like a strange, yeah, could have been something, could strange have been. omission to me. I don't know if it's on any, like the more recent Android versions. I don't know if it's on the Vita version, but on on iOS, uh, it's definitely not there. I've played like levels the same on desktop and then handheld, and and it's and it's it's missing, uh, which I think is a shame. But um, but overall, I, yeah, I feel like in the same way as as this game makes me feel like those old horror cartoons and horror comics. Um, the music gives it a kind of, uh, again, gives it a lovable sort of children's entertainment feel to it. Um, not, and I mean that not in any belittling way whatsoever. I mean that it's it's charming and and uh, and sweet and bouncy and feel good and again smiley. Um, just me, James. How about you and the music? Uh, yeah, no, absolutely the same. Um, it captures both the kind of levity. Um, and and just sort of all round cartoonish nature of, of the game and the way it looks, it captures that. It's joyful, it's bouncy at points, but yeah, there is there's a, that sort of macabre edge to Danny Elfman scores for a Tim Burton film or something like that. Um, the thing it reminded me of quite a bit was um, the the music uh, which will have been done in house by Rare uh, for Grab by the Ghoulies. Um, please go back and listen to our Grab by the Ghoulies episode to mm. to gather uh, our thoughts more in depth on that particular game. But it had that... Also that fun kind of, horror zombies. Exactly. It had that edge to it of this is cartoonish, fun ghouls rather than than zombie horror. Uh, but yeah, with that kind of... The, the hallmarks of horror music in there as well, but never overbearing. Ryan, how about you? Um, yeah, you know, the, the soundtrack never really stood out to me in this one. Um, I I remember a couple of the background music pieces and I don't know if I, you know, kind of quickly decided that this was going to be a podcast game and just kind of, you know, phased it out. But uh, while it it didn't really take anything away, like I didn't find any of it unappealing. Like I I just don't have strong attachment to the music in general, which is uh, kind of too bad because like I am actually a fan of, uh, of Laura Shigahara's. I I kind of became, um, aware of her through to the moon, which she composed a, or composed and sang a song for. Um, and then, you know, since then I've, you know, kind of popped in and out of her YouTube channel where she does a lot of, uh, both original and kind of sung cover songs of a video game and, and other music. Um, seems mm. like a just really engaging individual and, um, it's quite a, a vocal talent as well. But, um, yeah, I don't know this, this particular soundtrack kind of passes me by a little bit. And of course, uh, well, I say of course, um, but people may have seen, uh, even people who didn't play plants versus zombies may have seen, the uh, the sort of pop video that the team put together, Laura Shigehara with uh, with Rich Werner and Todd Todd Semple. Um, Laura wrote a song for the game, which is uh, which I alluded to the lyrics of earlier, and you'll no doubt hear a bit of later. Um, and it was used a, as a promotional tool in the end, uh, even though it was put together in two weeks as. Uh, just a bit of a laugh among the team um, and ultimately it became the sort of your reward for completing the adventure mode it, it, it plays uh, as a video file uh, 
at the end and uh and i think it's yeah i still find it genuinely funny uh it's uh it was a sort of um absolute staple of uh podcasts in uh, 2009 10 era to play it just as it was with uh still alive from portal jonathan Coulton in um in 2007 everyone had a bit of uh, zombies on your lawn on their podcast back then uh ryan did that did that tickle you any more than the in-game soundtrack uh, <laughs> I'm going to sound really negative on this. No, like, I, I, just, I don't find that song to be like as clever as, I mean, obviously Jonathan Colton's stuff, which is perhaps an unfair comparison to make. But I, I feel like since that was, um, I, I, this was kind of in that era of the still alive hype kind of. And uh, since it was following that up, maybe I came in with unfair expectations as to what to expect from an end credit song in a video game. But uh, I don't know. It, it's, it's, it's fine. <laughs> what a sourpuss, honestly. <laughs> James, you like it, right? Oh yeah. It, it's, it, it's exactly in the wheelhouse of still alive for me. Um, and, and yeah, it was kind of at the time there was this sort of expectation of as soon as you heard there was an end credit song, it was like, Oh, is it going to be, is it going to be? So maybe it is just the expectation of, of that, song at the end of portal uh is is too much for it but for me it's exactly as fun and uh as rewarding a way to finish the game as as that song is uh at the end of portal uh just exactly i i watched it again um last night when i finished adventure mode mm. for the third fourth time probably uh no yeah. fifth um and uh, yeah, I immediately took off my headphones, switched on the speakers, and uh, just played it in our living room to uh, to great amusement of both me and my other half. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, no, it's uh, it's lovely. It really is. I think it's fantastic. Nice. And what about the the in game sound? Uh, do you feel it does the job more than does the job, or less than? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's incredibly important, as you mentioned, to have. Uh, different sounds when the the peas are hitting, say, a cone head or a bucket head or even um, the football zombie. You know mm. what's coming, you know what it sounds like it's hitting, and you can hear when that sort of ting, ting on the bucket stops. So you've got an idea, even if you're not looking at that part of the screen, you've probably got an idea either out of your peripheral or just by the sound alone of whether or not you need to worry. Um uh, so yeah, just those sorts of sound cues, uh, the sound of the munching, if that stops, you probably need to turn and look and see whether it stopped because mm -hmm. the zombies died. Uh, but even then there's a sound cue for that if you listen closely, um, or whether it, it's because your tall nut has just given way and you need to, uh, to be concerned. So I love the fact that it adds to, cause even though it's only, um, sort of five or six lanes by, I think it's eight uh, sections across it might be nine mm. um, that that actually when you're really focused on doing something in particular whether it being growing uh, sunflowers or adding uh, plants to your, to the other side of your your grid um, your focus just gets pulled right into what exactly what you're doing then and it's really important to have the sound cues as kind of like uh, I, I often say with uh, stealth games having a self game in third person allows you that peripheral vision that you don't get in 
in a first-person stealth game. It allows yeah. you to make up for the fact that other senses are in play if you were really in that situation of infiltrating whatever. Um, and, and this guy does the same. While you're focused on doing one thing, your ears are able to pick up um, what's happening and where it's happening on the screen uh, without necessarily having to, to kind of scan all the time to see what's going on. It's certainly um, it's a game where I think it really helps to have the sound uh, effects turned up. Um, and as I say, I would advocate leaving the music on as well because I think together it, it makes a, a very pleasing soundtrack on the ears. But yeah, the audio is actually um, gives a lot of yeah a lot of clues away. I think it would be harder. I mean, one of the noises you'll hear the most is this uh, very very brief but slightly sort of um, almost like muted and flat sort of little um, like I don't know if it's like a ukulele chord or something but when you collect sun which is obviously probably the the mouse click thing or the or the finger touch or the cursor swipe depending on which version you're playing the thing that you do the most is collecting sun and kind of I expected it to like you know sound sort of typically glistening and and you know kind of loud and and intrusive but it's actually this very yeah that sort of thing um but i guess i mean you know who knows i'm supposing but uh, maybe they experimented with with a more traditional i've just collected some some sun noise and because you do it so often and so regularly that would be you know just intrusive and, and and annoying and i think it's um it's quite rare that a game especially one that's like a, a single screen um sort of by its nature quite repetitive game that none of the sound st- ever started to wear on me like it's quite it's quite common in games for certain sound effects to get you know quite grating and they obviously i guess they did a lot of playtesting to to avoid that even though you do hear the same noises over and over again the the thud of the peas on various configuration of zombie is always quite satisfying and and it's punctuated by the odd you know sort of comedy explosion as you blow up a zomboni with a chili pepper or or that (laughs) sort of thing um and the sound of the bungee zombies later in the game on the roof is terrifying you know i mean i mean it's not because it's funny and it it makes me laugh they do this kind of you know yahoo zombies going yahoo thing um it is if you haven't uh, got your umbrella leaves in place well that's it yeah (laughs) see that's an interesting thing i noticed about the game design of 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 this which is that uh it nearly always gives you a new enemy to face like two or three stages before it gives you the wherewithal to deal with that new enemy um so you'll get like um light bungee zombies and you're thinking well what the heck can i do about these um and you don't get it for for two or three levels, I think. But yeah. in ordinary, uh, now they don't do that. They can't do that with some because it would be uh, like if they'd done that with the balloon zombies that can float over. Um, then you could have just been game over without any way of defending yourself. Oh. Yeah. Um, but actually, uh, I think I can't remember what it gives you to deal with those first off might be the cactus, cactus yeah it must cactus be the cactus shooters yeah which stretch up into the sky and and fire out uh, needles which is quite cool um but it yeah must that's be a because good... the the other primary defense would be the cattails and you have to buy those separately so the cactus must be the one that or the fan you can get the, well, the, the fan the, as well yeah I don't the, like fan the fan wafts well. them away along with the fog so that Sing, makes single that use items yeah. very much yeah <laughs> yeah yeah well uh, let's let's go on to that gameplay um it's yeah it's plants versus zombies 
Um, it starts off very, very uh, simply without, you know, there's a little, there's a little bit of tutorialization um, between on-screen text, basically when you finish a level, and um, and the odd appearance of uh, your neighbor, Crazy Dave, who also sells you a lot of stuff. Um, but really, it starts off in by giving you so you know so few items uh, to mm. select and 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 just the basic enemies that it that it seems quite straightforward um you even start off with a narrowed game don't you it's three lanes to start with yeah, yeah. um and the turf rolls out in quite a pleasing fashion um and it builds up from there but it does it, you know talk about adventure mode which is the mode i've played the most it really does build up and build up and keep building up right until you're six worlds in or whatever it is um you will have played across uh sort of uh your, your back garden your front garden which has the the pool up the middle of it um night time and then on the roof uh and the roof uh changes things up because you can't fire things in a straight line because it's uh it, it's roof shaped uh so you have to start using the 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 things that hurl butter and corn and cabbages over the top which is uh entertaining in itself um but the so there's i guess is it uh five something like it's about it's, it's about it's, 50 it's five levels. yeah it's yeah, um 40 45 10 levels sub levels in each of five kind of worlds if you like it's yeah. um front garden day front garden night back garden yeah. day back garden night and then roof yeah um yeah uh, and there's also uh, these are interspersed with some levels where you don't pick your own. Uh, what's the word? Artillery. Yeah, um, yeah. Start introducing some of the puzzle variants. Yeah, which was something that apparently they actually they talked about. Uh, I think before they they went with the more strategic uh, final version where you you select your your loadout from. A, an increasingly large grid of defensive items uh sometimes you just they come along on a conveyor belt and it's about where you, where and when you deploy them um and i i like those levels as a, as a distraction as a variety yeah. 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 there's also ones where you um, pop open a vase and uh you have to sort of manage what's going on there's another one where you bowl walnuts at them uh and they make the the classic 10 pin bowling noise um but really it's this this march from simply two or three units at the start to dozens by the end potentially even more if you've bought everything in the shop and and whatever else but i always felt that it was um you know really really nicely paced and the difficulty um with a couple of sort of moments of you know how how would i how was i supposed to defend that early on um I found it was always. I always felt like I was making quite smooth progress from start to finish. Yeah, I think the other interesting thing they do that initially is a uh, help, but upon replaying Adventure Mode as Endurance, I'd actually forgotten that they don't have all five lanes available, or is it six on just the back garden? I can't remember, or maybe in the front garden as well. Um, but either way, um, yeah. Crazy Dave selects three plants for you. Yeah. Um, and that's even upon replaying you don't have the reduced number of lanes upon replaying they just full turf all the way all the way across um, when you're replaying adventure mode certainly on oh, okay. on the steam version uh, but mm. crazy dave still selects the plants and almost never did he select more than one that i would have actually picked myself um, mm. so i ended up with two slots being lost to his selection and kind of having to fight that and really pick 
upon replay, whereas first time round, it means you get to know the different plants. There's 49 of them in total with all the ones you buy. Mm. Um, mm. You get to know all the different plants, what they can do, because you're forced to, but chances are he's given you three that are perfectly suited for this level if that's, you know, they're going to work at least, uh, even if it's not how ultimately I would have ended up deciding to play the level. So. The game will also do stuff like uh, if you uh, pick a certain plant that it says it doesn't feel you have much use for in a level, it, it will actually say that. Um, and it will also remind you if you failed to pick a, a sun-generating plant, <laughs> yeah. uh, which is easily done sometimes because um, although you can purchase slot upgrades, uh, very much uh, appreciated, Um it's quite easy to just go, right, well, I definitely need that, 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 and that. And then you you go, right, start the level, I'm ready. Oh, you forget the lily pads or the yeah. sun or, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. totally, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, the, the lily other, pad... Sorry, go on, Joe. Sorry, I was just going to quickly say, the other thing they do is they grey out mushrooms on day levels unless you've picked the coffee bean. And I That's think, right. I, I don't think they grey out the day plants on the nighttime levels, though. But then the oh, only one of no. that that would be a problem is the sunflower. Because it would just yeah. not produce sun, but um, yeah, uh, and you don't get sun dripping from the sky. As no, you do exactly. In the, yeah. Yeah. In, in the day, yeah. so yeah, I suppose. I mean, I don't know. People may have done super plays on on this. Maybe you can. Maybe there are ways of completing some of the levels without selecting a sunflower. Just doing it with uh, the the occasional drip of twenty five units of sunshine. But I somehow doubt it. Um, one of the things I did find about the game. Um, Having been back through it again now for the first time in a few years, uh, I did actually get game over a couple of times when I, I mm. felt I was quite hard done by by the fact that it sent like two of a particularly difficult and specific zombie along the same lane yeah. in a game. Yeah. Um, but you've always got a get out clause. You've always got these lawnmowers at the end, which save your yeah. your uh, on the house anyway. Um, they save your. Uh, save your skin um when you when the pool comes into play you have to buy the pool cleaners from the shop which gives you you know one last basically one fail state or one lane um and then clears out that lane giving you a chance to to survive and rebuild uh roof cleaners as well you have to buy um but i always I, i felt that in some ways that made the game feel a little bit easier than i almost wanted um like there was there would have been more tension and i know it would have just meant redoing levels and i don't enjoy that and especially not when playing on a time limit and so on and so forth but the actual i felt like the difficulty level was slightly on the the unchallenging side even even on my earlier playthroughs i think particularly since uh you know i don't want to like put myself forward as like oh i'm so good at the game i I couldn't imagine (laughs) having trouble in any of the slower sections but like usually Mm, mm. the times when i would die would be like during the big like zombie rushes, which would happen only, you know, once or twice a game. And so if there was a big rush and a lawnmower comes and takes out all the zombies in that row, then, you know, I'm pretty much set for the rest of the level anyways, even if I didn't have any plants there. Yeah. Yeah, it's only the, yeah. there are there are certain levels later in the game which have three kind of rush sections. Yeah. They peak. Uh, there's a little guide to tell you what's what's coming. There's a there's yeah. a brain flag. Um, you, on the PC version, you can create a zombatar. I think it's called. Where it's where you you have uh, you can make up a zombie in your own image or your <laughs> preferred image, and that one leads uh, leads the charge. I think it's the only version which has that. I could be wrong. Um, and yeah, that's when things can go wrong. There, there's uh, there's sort of giant um 
zombies later Gant- in the game. Gantuars, I believe. Gant- yeah, mm-hmm. they take a lot of a, they take a lot of a pounding, and they can kill, um, you know, an entire row of plants in in double quick time. Um, so if you've you know if you've spent ages and a lot of uh, sun currency uh, you have to plant pots on the roof for instance so mm. you have to plant a pot you have to wait for the the uh the cool down timer before you can do that for a previous one then put a tall nut in it for another 125 sun or uh, yeah, i think it is yeah. and you had to wait for the cool down timer to build that and then if a, a, a gargantua comes along and just smushes it with one smack of yeah. his hammer uh that can be a, a, a bit dispiriting but then on the flip side it only takes putting a plant pot on the other side of him as he comes forward and sticking either a cherry bomb or a uh or better a a chili whatever they're called chili bomb jalapeno um, i think yeah, they, jalapeno i of can't remember if they've got a joke uh, named i think they might just be jalapeno to take him out yeah. um yeah so yeah i never felt like Apart from, you know, no, it sounds stupid because I, you know, I did even even on this my third full playthrough, I had a couple of I had literally two game overs throughout the course of the game, mm. um, and but I feel like I could have had I could have had some more tense moments if they hadn't been so keen to give me that yeah. last line of defence. Yeah, it's almost unfortunate they don't let you select uh, an adventure mode after you've completed it once, maybe without. Yeah, those those safeguards, the the lawnmowers, the pool cleaners, and the roof cleaner. Yeah, because um, it would make you rethink your layer, your your loadout, your layout, and your strategy. Yeah, because sometimes you actually think, oh, that zombie's. I'll just let him go. Does, even if it's early game, if it just allows mm. me to plant a few more sunflowers, give me time yeah. to get. You know, if I haven't got yeah. a, a potato mine or whatever ready to go, just let him go. It's it's a Sacrifice safety net, and you can kind yeah. of abuse that. And the only thing you lose out on is the is the fifty. Uh, coin bonus at the end for each lane that's you right. get a gold coin for each lane and that's, that's not true. really a big bonus if that was a diamond <laughs> for each one you might yeah. again rethink that but um, that's a very good point yeah diamonds are worth yeah. like a thousand aren't they yeah and, yeah um, but the gold coins are, are yeah. 50 and it's like well i'm not gonna some of the items over. in the shop cost tens or even hundreds of thousands don't they uh, so, on, the, on so the ios version anyway the plants go up to thirty thousand for the duplicate duplicate potato plant the one that gives you this sort of uh-huh. gray slot where you can have a duplicate slot for any of yep. your plants uh but i think your 10 slot um so the last of upgrading the number of plants you can have is eighty thousand. Mm-hmm. um it's it, ridiculously expensive yeah i'm sure there's higher things on the ios version that you're Possibly, designed yeah. to make you pay for yeah. pay for uh in-game currency with out-of-game mm. currency um, and of course you need two hundred and fifty thousand to grow your wisdom tree Right, which uh, is which, just for an achievement and a few hints that by that point you already know about anyway. So you need know. that. Uh, you can get that easier, I, I guess. I mean, I, yeah, I don't know if if the Zen Garden starts to make you enormous amounts of money if you keep going with it. Um, it does if you sell the plants. Right. Once right. you realise you don't actually need the plants in there for anything really. I mean, no. you can just sit on the Zen Garden, leave the little snail running around picking up coins. Once you've kind of buffed your plants for the day. I think he um, kind right. of tuckers out after a minute or so, though. So it does require some sort of active participation. You can keep feeding him chocolate, can't you? But yeah, oh, okay. yeah, it's, yeah. The, um, I was the certainly sorry, James. Speed him up a bit, but uh, yeah. I was certainly looking at the you know the amount of stuff in Dave's increasingly large boot, uh, which on, <laughs> on again on the iOS version. I haven't been back to the console version so much. Um, 
you know, you're tabbing through several pages of stuff in the boot as the game goes on and you unlock yeah. more and more yeah. modes of play, but more and more things you can buy. And I was thinking, I, I you know, I would never unlock all this stuff, um, you know, short of uh, and, and even just buying it, buying oh. it with real money to get in-game money would yeah. looks like yeah. it would be very oh, expensive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I guess that's the route that, you know, PopCap kind of went down. Uh, we'll talk a little about Plants vs. Zombies 2 later, but we're not officially covering that game. Um, you know, we're, we're focusing very much on the adventure mode. It's the mode we've probably played the most mm. and the mode that probably most people will play. Um, but we've definitely got some correspondence or had some feedback uh, from people saying that the, you know, actually the, the sort of endless survival mode is the way to play it because, you, you, you know, it sort of changes the way you have to play. Whereas if adventure mode is designed to be, you know, a level that is quite beatable uh, to take you on to the next stage and to unlock some more stuff but um you know i i imagine that thinking about a kind of long-term uh strategy uh would be you know would would require different loadouts would my sort of favored loadouts work um so you know i don't know about you chaps but pretty much every level in the adventure mode uh i'm looking at uh the two back rows being all sunflowers uh yep. whether there are lily pads there yep. or not um adding lily pads as necessary um <laughs> and then in front of that it'll be some at first there'll be standard uh pea shooters um possibly upgraded later on if if you've got time and money may probably a second layer of shooting uh stuff um i don't particularly favor the ice ones myself i don't i didn't find that slowing them down was better than damaging them for me so i generally mm. focused on just pea shooters mm -hmm. uh when you've got tunneling zombies you need to have the ones that also fire backwards but generally that's not most levels uh then in front of those um i'm looking at uh something defensive like tall uh, walnuts or tall nuts mm -hmm. um and then in front of that i normally put some sort of one hit kills like the uh the the, the squash that squashes a zombie or the um, the mine is okay, but it takes a while for it to uh, activate. Yeah. So I prefer the squash or the piranha plant type thing that uh, that, that eats uh, the, 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 the water zombie. kelp type thing, sea yeah. kelp or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it own oh yes, and the, yes, that's right. In in the pool, the uh, those because those are you know that's a very cheap one hit way of killing a killing a zombie. Um, the only issue yeah. is can be the cooldown timer. Yes, um, yeah. and then pretty much later in the game, um, it's much the same. But I'm generally upgrading uh, the uh, it'll be the cabbage launchers and corn launchers, and I'll put yeah. I'll put the uh, the launchers to the th the three hundred sun melon launcher because it's uh, because it does more damage um, and tall nuts to stop ladder climbing zombies and yeah. uh, and zombies and things like yeah. that, yeah. and maybe just one or two uh, umbrella plants to stop the punchy zombies <laughs> where necessary. Um, but really, that like kind of the the core, and as you, oh, you, you mentioned the protective pumpkins. If if there's a spare slot, then, yeah, then I'll yeah. have some of those yeah. as well to slow the march down um, further. But I find that 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 overall that fundamental strategy works for pretty much every single mm. level in the game. Yet I've played through it three times, and I've never I've never felt really bored. So um, <laughs> there's something appealing about just doing the same mechanics over and over again the way the zombies fall apart and pop and fall over and the way that the sun goes bling and goes up to the sky are, you know remains enjoyable to me um but yeah i probably should seek out some of the other modes i have played i've dabbled but um mm. yeah so what about your loadouts uh james um 
I feel, or I had felt, like, much like you, I'd kind of got to a staples loadout that I tried to go for. Even on nighttime levels, I'd use mushrooms until I could get pea shooters, and then it would be uh, repeaters, and then um, sticks on the Gatling gun pea on top, Uh, and then I would stick the torch woods there to light them on fire. Um, Oh, so I I never used that. I'd, I'd actually end up being two or three slots from the end with my tall nuts uh, and then directly behind them off and I would put magnets in and not worry about reverse shooting peas just have enough magnets like four across the middle and two lamps on the outside for fog levels uh, and and that would pull the pickaxe in and everything would just end up in front of my tall nuts just being decimated by (laughs) uh, by peas but this time around on adventure modes especially in the roof level actually I completely changed my setup where okay the the um, kernel cobs that throw the butter in the kernels mm. are, are great in the early going, but as soon as you get multiple zombies, they don't tend to handle them so well. So what I ended up with was um, garlic on the very outsides, because there's only five lanes on, on the roof, certainly. Yeah. Garlic on the outsides to force everything into the middle. Mm. And then at the very front of the zombies, a load of uh, melon pulps upgraded to winter melons because they do area of effect damage so um, they just slow everything down to a complete crawl and then I ended up with like five cob cannons <laughs> spaced across the back of that like down the sides where I could fit them two one behind the other and then another yep. one in the middle and sunflowers behind that uh, with some umbrella shields in there as well uh, mm. and if you've got five cob cannons and you're and you squeeze the zombies together in the middle like I was you can basically just constantly be putting another cob rocket down just one after the other and by the time you've put the last one down you've recharged the first one again and it's beyond ridiculous all right ryan what's your uh, what's your strategy for plants versus zombies and does it change as the game goes on too much or or not uh my strategy is pretty similar to yours leon um although i did employ a lot of the ice or i guess snow pea shooters to uh to get the pun okay in there. um because I, I just kind of I view those as being like damage multipliers for everything else. Because if the zombies are yeah, moving yeah, yeah, smaller, yeah. then they'll get in a few more kind of cycles of attacks. Um, yeah. So yeah, I just made everything else more powerful. And then I was always under the impression, and I, I might be wrong about this, that the uh, the the snowpy shooters didn't only do the the freezing at, um, but they also did a little bit of damage, like. I, I think yeah, maybe they, yeah, do. they do. Yeah, I think yeah. in my the mind, I view them as, yeah, yeah, well. that's what I was thinking. So, yeah, even if it was just, you know, a snow pea shooter, like it was still, it wasn't just wasting space. Like, even if I didn't get much out of the freezing no, effect, like yeah. it was, you know, still doing its, uh, still pulling its share. Um, but yeah, yeah. other than that, I, uh, for me, like the places that I really shine, I suppose, I, I guess ironically, <laughs> I guess in this case, but uh, was the nighttime levels. Like I love, love the nighttime levels. Um, mm. I love getting the units for free every once in a while. Yeah, and having like a relatively short cooldown timer on those little mushrooms. They're not very powerful. Sea shrooms and yeah, yeah. But yeah. like you don't yeah. really have any reason to not put them down, other than the fact yeah. that like yeah. incrementally each one doesn't do a ton of extra, you know, for your defenses, but. 
I, I just find it really kind of appealing to always be kind of patching the holes with these free little mushrooms. And mm, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I really enjoy those stages. And then when, whenever you have to dissolve tombstones, which is actually mm. seems immensely disrespectful, but <laughs> I, I guess I won't go into... <laughs> into the yeah, ethics really of this that. game <laughs> well it's it's you know it's the, the zombies are being disrespectful so <laughs> it's true uh, we've mentioned your neighbor crazy dave he's a funny fellow um <laughs> yeah it's again it's one of those things where it's the sort of character where i could very easily find it irksome um mm-hmm. yeah, it handled badly i would have I, I think i would have found crazy dave sort of annoying but actually i quite I quite like him. He's used sparingly and yeah. um and yeah, just you know, the the writing the writing itself is 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 amusing. As 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 it is throughout, I think, with the, the letters that the zombies write you at the end of levels and things like that. Um, you know, it's not like you know prize winning wit, but it's again it's it's got a, a level of charm and and, and uh humor to it that i that i appreciate yeah yeah it raises a chuckle every time just to see it or a a smile at least and then doesn't get in the way of what you're actually up to yeah um but yeah that that the the crazy dough stuff well i guess we've sort of we've we've talked about it a bit the the you know the amount the amount of stuff that you can end up buying uh from him um there are so i believe depending on which version you play um things have different purposes and different uh sequences because of like the the financial model that you've used to buy the game, for instance, will mm. affect certain things. Yeah. Obviously, the iOS version is cheapest to buy, but there's also a free iOS version within app purchases, mm. um, and they mix up some of the uh, the order of, in which you get things. Obviously, on the the consoles, you'll have paid a one well or got it for free, but you might have paid up to sort of ten pounds or fifteen dollars yeah. to buy the game. So there's no there's no in in game purchase at all in in those versions. I don't think. Um, but again, even just to to get everything from Crazy Dave in, say, the 360 or PS3 versions, you would probably still need to either do the thing we were just talking about of harvesting, farming money from in-game or yeah. uh, the Zen Garden um, mode, which I've actually got on my list to talk about last. But I think um, we've already mentioned it a bit, so we'll, we'll cover it a bit more here. Um, this is a mode that unlocks some quite some way along into your game. wasn't mm-hmm. there originally, I don't believe. Um, I don't know what prompted it to be added in. Was it that need for money, the need to be able to uh, actually generate cash, in-game cash? Um, but you've—I know James. At least you've um, maxed this out, haven't you? You've, you've got this this yeah. magical tree. So what's what's the process, and is is it actually fun in and of itself? Um, it's kind of something that I ended up dipping out of adventure modes every so often just to go and water some plants and take a break. Um, right. So you start off with like a, a greenhouse that's got a, a grid that you can, that, that will start filling as you either you can buy marigolds from Dave that in themselves are like they're 2,500 coins each. So they're not cheap. Um, or you pick them up as presents that drop in in adventure mode and in, in the various other modes in the game. Um, and they'll all get put into the greenhouse first. And you just have to click on a watering can, click on the plant you want to water. It'll pop up with a speech bubble telling you what the plant needs. And it's a bit, it's Tamagotchi. It's, you know, that kind of thing where mm-hmm. you're just managing resources, clicker game, whatever you want to call them. Um, 
and you end up having to feed it fertilizer for it to grow up a stage. And the first stage will go from a little shoot to what the plant is. Um, and then you'll have to grow it another twice more to get up to full size. And each time you grow it, you get a bonus of, I think the first time it's um, a single silver or gold coin, and the second time it's three gold coins or whatever, and by the end, the last one, you get a diamond or two diamonds, um, depending upon the plant. Um, and then once you've grown it fully, you have to water it and then either bug spray it or play it music. Um and that buffs it for the day. And if you stay in that mode, it'll drop coins every so often. Um, and what you end up with is you get water-based plants and uh, nighttime-based plants in there that won't grow beyond their first stage when they go from shoot to plant and you can see what it is. Mm. So then you have to spend 30,000 coins to get an aquarium and uh, a sort of nighttime garden. Um, oh, of course. So okay. it's more coins to spend, but you can then get a wheelbarrow to transfer your plants to the other one. But it's all the same thing. Um, and what, what you can do is get one of each of the types of plants in the game, put it in its relevant garden, and just kind of tend to it. And it will if you leave Zen Garden on long enough with a little snail that's in the greenhouse charging around, picking up coins, um, and you keep buffing the plants, you will get a return from it. But the fertilizer you use and the bug spray you use, they're not massively cheap. So what I ended up doing in terms of making money the quickest mm. once I needed uh, to buy fertilizer for the wisdom tree to grow it to 100 feet tall. This sounds ridiculous, me just saying it, doesn't it? Anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I ended up, you, you can sell the plants for anything from three to 10,000 coins. And I think you don't have to grow them all the way to get that return either so you can just grow it to the first stage find out what it is sell it straight off and get quite a lot of money from it right um so the the last part of the zen garden is you can for ten thousand coins buy a wisdom tree it's a little uh shrub to begin with yeah and you a separate type of fertilizer for two thousand five hundred a dose um grows (laughs) it essentially a foot each time and you've got to grow it from zero to 100 feet tall i think the ga- the different versions may have different um trophies achievements as well i'm looking uh, uh yeah i'm looking at the 361 and i haven't i haven't got the grow the tree of wisdom but this one hasn't got an achievement for that i can see of um seeing the rare uh the yeti right um but uh there there were 48 achievements and 49 trophies i believe yeah obviously the platinum way being fewer. the extra one <clears throat> it's um, way fewer on 360 i guess yeah oh right okay um so yeah. on steam it's 21 now but it was originally 12 or 13 i think and then right. game of the year edition with the extra modes they added in the extra stuff yeah and the ios version has some uh yeah. some in-game and some game center achievements um mm. but for instance there's one which is uh, if you go into the uh, what is it? There's there's a screen that you go into that um, shows things buried in the ground, and you sc- and you sort of swipe through it as you go down, and and uh, it's the achievement screen. Yeah, you can keep oh, going yeah, down, right. and eventually you see the bookworm, <laughs> and you see yes, um, and characters from yeah, yeah, characters Peggle. from other um, every popcat yeah, thing. Yeah. yeah, and you eventually get to the bottom, and it's because it's American, it's China. Yeah, uh, upside upside down, uh, some Chinese zombies, Chinese zombies, and you get an achievement for that in that version. Um, but that, but I tried that <laughs> earlier on the PC version the game of the year edition they gave away on origin it didn't work 
it, yeah, it's it's all there, but there's no achievement for it. Yeah, so they yeah. have kind of tweaked it a bit. But yeah, um, but yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Ryan, did you engage with the Zen Garden or achievement trophy hunting? in your plants versus zombies time yeah i spent a lot of time in there um i also have a fully powered up wisdom tree for some reason <laughs> nice um, <laughs> yeah i can't say that uh that it necessarily like added a whole bunch to my experience but you know it's it's done and i have that achievement on steam so <laughs> there we go well done. Um, yeah, nice I, I remember kind of enjoying it for what it was, something that was nice to kind of have on in the background when I was doing other things in the computer. Hmm. Yeah, so uh, the team focused on the adventure mode uh, for most of the first year the game was in development, um, but they started uh, mucking around with some mini-game ideas. Uh, some of them were included as it dotted in and around the adventure mode. Uh, some of them became modes in their own right in the initial releases. Some of them, I think, got added later on. Um, certainly there's more there now than than I remember there being when I first played it. Um, so there's the survival mode we talked about, um, as I say, and I think um, at least one correspondent says that, you know, this is by far their preferred way to mm. play. Um so other than you got you got the twenty waves one there, James. Um did you did you go for more? Uh I some, yeah, some I, I wanted to test and see if my setup would continue to work and right. it, it I'm did, interested. But I only went uh I think six waves beyond that because so you get to reselect your plants every two flags. So it's it's like an adventure mode level where you've got your progress bar and there's two flags per level. So twenty flags is ten levels if you like. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if that's exactly the same on the 360 version, and you just have to go twice as far. Mm. Um, I'd I'd be surprised if so, because either my setup will just continue to work, in which case that's 20 very boring waves, or it's going to get incredibly difficult. Because by that point, you're getting four four to six gargantuars at a time, multiple times per level, not just on the right. flags, like in between times as well um, it, yeah and some of them are red eyed gargantuars as well mm. which seem to have double health as far as I can tell because it takes a lot to kill them yeah. um, so it gets ridiculously out of hand so my sort of go to setup of just pea shooters and torchwoods and tall nuts just breaks down somewhere around the 14 to 16 stage and you end up relying on lawnmowers and fighting fires and right. trying to rebuild, but you end up not being able to rebuild fast enough. Mm, um, okay. So what what I ended up doing was trying to sort of build something that would work to about 10 flags and then rebuild it, like s sort of as I went, rebuild bits of it into something else. And what I actually ended up doing was starting from scratch and building a layout that was filled down the two central pool lanes all the way to the end, and the last four slots of which were two by two gloom shrooms. Right. Because very few zombies go into the pool and that does damage to the two lanes either side as well yeah. as they walk past. And it mm. does a lot of damage. It's just very short range. Um, and then you kind of back that up with the fume shrooms, some uh, winter melons and cob cans and stuff. But it kind of works indefinitely, especially if you use spike rocks to guard against miners and um, zombies attacking your walnuts at the front. 
No, yeah, your fume shield's in the shop front. Mad sorry. when you say it like that. Um, yeah, it it's a really sort of atypical layout, but I found it ended up step by step through failing several times. I kind of got to the point where I realised that was the case, and it looks like that from seeing people who've done ridiculously long endless runs. It seems like that's a setup that kind of ends up working more or less for a lot of people. So, do you think realistically to kind of max out this mode and survive forever, you'd need kind of access to all 49 plants in the game or are there some that you would never use still um you probably do because stuff like cattails cob cannons spike rocks which are the upgraded um mm. spike weed um stuff like that and the, i think the gloom shroom is an upgrade as well they're all plants you have to buy from crazy dave so yeah you're gonna end up getting towards that and you end up using the or rather I ended up using the um, the pumpkin shell duped because you want to keep those topped off to make sure that whenever a zombie does get to a plant, it's not eating the plant. Mm-hmm. So you want two slots of that so you can constantly be recharging your, your yeah. pumpkin shells. So, yeah, you pretty much end up needing 49 plants to do that. Um, Crikey. Well, I am sure someone else has managed to do it with... You know, equivalent yeah. of, of some ridiculous soul level one run on Plants vs. Zombies survival <laughs> yeah. mode. Do we know? But, Does uh, it end? Yeah. Does it just go on forever? Who, is, there a, is there a survival? I, I've never end? tried. I guess it goes to at least 40. But uh, yeah. But yes, other modes are unlocked and mini games. Um, so there's a puzzle mode, which uh, I've only dabbled with, um, but basically gives you a limited number of uh, pieces with which to clear a level. Um, so it's about deploying them as correctly as possible, if not completely correctly. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, so mini games, which kind of came out of uh, some of which certainly at least came out of the uh, the the mini games that appear in the adventure mode, mm-hmm. including uh, slot machine, walnut bowling, um, and you can play that in co-op on the consoles at least. Begooled in Visigool, Whack a Zombie, which is uh, much as you'd expect, and Portal Combat, which I don't know what that is at all. <laughs> I don't think I've even seen that on the select screen. Yeah, some weird stuff in there. I mean, obviously, Begooled, just like it sounds like, is a play on Bejeweled, um, and it uses some of the assets from uh, from this game to play not exactly a a kind of you know, bejeweled clone, but, uh, you know, it still does incorporate some level of, of combat elements, if I'm remembering correctly, but, uh, but yeah, essentially you are kind of just matching, um, matching rows of plants. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It does ring a bell. Yeah. It's match three where you have to click on. Of course. Begooled. Plants to to swap around and, and you've got a, um, a, a sun target, I think it is you've got to reach so or a number of matches target sorry yes uh, it's yes. like 75 matches you've got to make um and all the while kind of trying to do that and uh, and replenishing plants where they end up getting eaten by zombies to make sure you've still got a full board it's a nice yeah. inclusion mm, yeah mm. all adds um, value yeah yeah absolutely invisible is as it says the the zombies are invisible so you kind right. of got to to get a layout of plants as quickly as possible to try and, try and counter that. You can see um, where the peas are exploding and so you can get a sense of, of yeah. where folks are where and you can use to, the sounds yeah. of uh, to determine mm. where the bucket heads are located. And there's a versus mode, at least on the console versions, the home console versions. Um, 
I, I guess none of us have played it. I can't imagine. <laughs> no. No. Sorry, we're, we're, going, we're going to be terribly incomplete on this because, um, yeah, I think it's local only um, for a start. I don't think it's online, um, but even if it was, I, I think we would have struggled to get a game of it. But, yeah, apparently there is some versus play um, because I think there might even be an achievement tied to it, mm. but you can do it with a second controller so yeah that yeah. suggests it's local I, i'm, I'm still amazed that they managed to get that to work on the controller because it seems so attuned to either mouse or or yeah. finger pointer i totally still agree well worth, that it works as well as it does well worth saying um mm. and in fact um going back to the so i played the touch version first and that yeah. that still uh, feels quite fun um just touching going back to the the original desktop version after that actually feels a bit labor intensive having to click on the sun i just want to <laughs> hover the mouse over it yeah um and yeah i i was genuinely skeptical that this would translate well to console because of the mouse or touch mm. requirements um but actually what they did was they had a very loose not loose in an uncontrollable way but uh but a nice sort of uh, feel they they got the feel of this sweeping cursor just right, so you just literally sort of slide it pleasantly over the over the game mm. screen, and it hoovers up the sun and coins as you go. And it's um it's actually I'd say in some ways it, it sort of feels almost like less effort than the touch or the click yeah. versions. Yeah. You know, going back to that versus mode, uh, I think that's the kind of thing that would actually be a lot of fun with kind of an asynchronous uh, bend to it, or one of those. Uh, turn-based sort of thing yeah yeah kind of like those uh the street pass games that nintendo does for a lot of their um their titles they'll usually have a mode that where you can like set mm. up a um it's like in a in shovel knight you can like set up a series of of attacks for your knight to do and you know just based on how the other person that you're street passing against set up their you know pre-recorded um sequence of events then you either yeah. win or lose that that particular matchup and i could see that happening you can kind of choose a wave of zombies to send out your street pass friends <laughs> so it could be fun the only th- yeah, I think that would that would work, and I assume they had to do a certain amount of this even with sort of real time local uh, versus mode. But you'd have to be very very sure about the resources that you gave each player to begin with, um, because otherwise the person playing as the plants would have kind of this unfair mm, advantage right. where they they were always able to just respond to whatever the person putting a zombie down put down. If you see what I mean, you know, as soon as they see a certain zombie, well, okay, I need to put this in there. You know, it, it would possibly, it would require incredible balancing. Whereas if it's kind of sat next to one another on a sofa, there's that element of who's managing their time the best comes into it. Whereas if it's turn-based, you've got all the time in the world to decide what you want to do next. So interestingly, uh, we've been having a conversation that you won't have heard because it will have been edited out. But um, it just struck me to search for Plants vs. Zombies on my Vita while we were recording. And uh, it's not there anymore. And further investigation shows that the license to sell it on PlayStation Network in both uh, the EU, as we are still in, and the USA expired in August last year. So um, if you don't already own this on PlayStation, uh, you can't currently buy it. I'm terribly sorry about that. Um, It's not that we always cover games that are available, but we've been talking about it like it is. Uh, Mm. So if you're planning on getting this for Vita or PS3, um, you'll have to lobby EA uh, to renew that license or something. Um, It is still available on Xbox 360. uh, And if you remember to add games with gold 
each uh, each month you'll have it and it's backwards compatible on Xbox One as well so you can play it on there and the Origin version is still available to buy as is the iOS version so but yeah curious I wonder why they let that lapse um, there is a, a Zen Pinball 2 Plants vs Zombies table that I don't is I don't think is especially well reviewed for Plants vs Zombies tables um, sorry for Zen Pinball tables <laughs> uh, but it's there you can buy that on whatever formats you can get Zen Pinball 2 on uh, so ironically you can probably play that on Vita and PS3 but you can't actually play Plants vs Zombies anyway another Plants vs Zombies thing we're not talking about Garden Warfare in this show because it's kind of a whole different game well it's two whole different games that would take an entire separate discussion on mechanics and releases and all that sort of thing um you know nothing to say that garden warfare couldn't get its own get uh, podcast in future times but we are just going to mention plants vs zombies 2 it's about time um so i was thinking when we talked about doing a plants vs zombies podcast uh maybe we should cover plants vs zombies 2 maybe i should play it some more um but then our forum feedback uh kind of took that release on board before I'd even got as far as thinking about seriously doing that. Um, and every single piece of feedback we had regarding Plants vs Zombies 2 perfectly reflected my own experience to the point that I decided that all we needed to do was hear from these people and not discuss the game in full. Um, we'll hear from James and Ryan after this if they have anything to add. But Gaio Pinto said Plants vs Zombies 2 was not a bad game, but the way it embraced the free-to-play mechanics of the smartphone market really broke its enjoyment for me, which was a real shame. I beat Plants vs Zombies three times and spent a lot of time on the challenges, whereas I didn't get very far in Plants vs Zombies 2. I thought they overused Crazy Dave as well in the sequel, which made him a little less fun. Alex Dola says, I also never managed to get fully into the sequel. As Gaio said, the free-to-play mechanic kind of ruined it for me. Not that it was, not that it has with every game, mind, but it was frustrating not being able to play how you wanted without either waiting or paying cash. I'm nothing against paying for games, but there's still something deep-rooted in my brain that won't let me start paying for microtransactions in free-to-play games. Steve Norman says, free-to-play has never put me off, but Plant vs. Zombies 2 never grabbed me in the same way. It was fine, but after 10 or so levels, I thought, I've done this before and had my fill. And finally, Kiss Mammal says, Sadly, the sprawling, unbalanced FTP nightmare of a sequel jettisoned a lot of the qualities that define the original. Uh, yeah, so I kind of agree with all of those. Uh, James, mm. how about you? Did you give it a pop for free? Um... I didn't because before I'd got the chance, word was kind of already out that I guess this was on the tail end of um, online passes for for EA games and uh, and that kind of thing and, and EA trying different ways of of altering revenue streams and um, yeah, having to either wait to take a turn or pay to to get more resources to be able to play. There are. There are so many better ways now, and maybe this wasn't the case at the time, of monetizing in purely aesthetic or purely side mode, mode ways, like they did in the first game, where actually playing adventure mode, I don't think on iOS you were ever restricted from doing. It was getting the coins to be able to buy other stuff that might have needed some, some real-world money supplementation. Um, so everything I was hearing about this was... The game's probably okay, but no one's actually willing to get past the fact that they're being asked to pay 
money time and time and time again whenever they go to play this game. So it just put me off, and it, it feels kind of wrong to say that, as I don't think I'm jumping the gun to say that I are incredibly fond of Plants vs. Zombies, and so the fact that I didn't even consider playing the sequel based on what I'd heard about it just says, as Community Feedback did, how much it, it dominated the talk about that game. Mm. Well, I downloaded it again, you know, leading up to this podcast when I mm. downloaded the original, but I just couldn't, I haven't even booted it. That's yeah. the honest truth. Yeah. It's just my, my initial impressions. I played a few levels and I was thought, yeah. okay, some new features here. This could be interesting, but it didn't yeah. grab me in any way. Ryan? Uh, you know, I I did try it out. Um, I, I spent a little bit of time with it because, you know, I, I'd spent so much time with the first one. It felt like I should at least try to get mm. over the initial, like, you know, the initial hump of getting into the second mm. one as well. But yeah, I just, I hated it. And that's kind of the same way with a lot mm. of PopCap's newer stuff. Um, you know, they used to, even if their ideas were a little derivative of other developers, like they used to deliver on a pretty high um, standard of quality. And you know, when, you know, when a PopCap game came out, it was going to be an inviting, well-constructed, really you know, nice game. Like I love Bejeweled 3. I love um, Peggle and Peggle Knights. And, you know, they, they've done some just really stellar output in the past. Um, but yeah, ever ever since then, you got the, you know, Peggle 2 is starting to kind of decline in quality. And, and then they started, um, you know, patching their older games to include a lot of just really intrusive and really kind of... Uh, player unfriendly features um Mm. obviously trying to like kind of squeeze money out of them and so for me these days like pop gap games have kind of become synonymous with just like really just terrible experiences which is unfortunate like um you know just bejeweled on the iphone with every patch becomes more and more cluttered with ads to now it just kind of looks like a geocities website from back in the old days and i just (laughs) i I just (laughs) Yeah, despise Burn. the uh, PopCap games <laughs> on iOS now, which is unfortunate. But um, yeah, I, I spent a little bit of time with it. I think that there's potential there. I mean, obviously they were, um, this one is set across multiple time periods, you know, Egyptian times and the like the, uh, kind of the garish 80s setting, um, <laughs> the, you know, Roman times and whatever. And, and that's, well, that's fun. And I can see them having a lot of fun with the art, especially. Mm. Um, but from what I played, uh, yeah, I agree with everybody. It was very, very restrictive. Um, it didn't give you very much game at all without expecting you to either spend a lot of time grinding, which, uh, and, or, uh, or paying a lot, a lot of real money into it. Um, but then on the, uh, on the other side, I felt like maybe it was just them trying to make a strong first impression, knowing that players are only going to play the free content. And so they wanted to load as many of the game's new features into those first five minutes as possible. But, um, it it felt like there was too much going on in the early stages and there were, you know, the, the lanes would fill up way too quickly and, um, I, I guess they were probably also trying to incentivize buying the more powerful plants, which they have a, a huge kind of litany of plants these days. And uh, mm. some of those kind of like one-time use items that make things a little easier for, you know, one round. Um, but yeah, it's just 
every single design decision seems to be centered around like squeezing money out of their audiences. And I just, I hated it. Yeah. Strong words. Well said. Right. Now let's hear from our ever excellent community who post generally at canarince.com slash forum. Sometimes they email podcast at canarince.com. You can do either. Uh, and let's start with James and Alex Dola's post. Sure, yeah. Alex says, I really enjoyed Plants vs. Zombies. It was one of the first games I can remember getting on my old iPhone and certainly one of only a tiny handful of games I ever actually completed on a phone. Everything about it's utterly charming, really. The art style, sound effects, the way the zombies bumble along and the variety of them too. There's very little not to like about this game. I've played through it through a couple of times over the years and it never gets any less satisfying setting up your solid pea shooter defence and taking out a group of zombies with a cherry bomb. Yeah, one uh, nugget curio we haven't mentioned, of course, was the, uh, the, the, the now, now entitled Dancing Zombie. <laughs> uh, that was originally well i don't know if it was ever called the michael jackson zombie but it looked a lot more like michael jackson and it's it been, was a thriller outfit michael jackson wasn't it thriller yeah. outfit and yeah. uh yes it had michael jackson's um coloration shall we say uh, <laughs> and, and hairstyle as well obviously. and hairstyle uh so yeah. it's it's turned into a more generic sort of disco stew style of uh zombie 70s disco zombie yeah yeah, yeah with the yeah. afro and bell bottoms there was an update um, was it around the time he died. Or, it, I, I, yeah. I seem to remember, yeah, it came out of that period where his, his family and I, I, I guess the legal term is his estate were kind of reining back in on that stuff. Yeah, That's from, from memory, though, so again, apologies if that's not... And it's, uh, yes, similarly, this is why Sega never re-releases Space Channel 5 Part 1, because it's got Michael Jackson actually in it. Um, but they can never erase him. Uh, from that nor moonwalker nor ready to rumble boxing round two mm. so uh, michael lives on in those games hunter 30 says having just finished alien isolation last summer i was after some light-hearted diversionary fare that would be less detrimental for my poor ticker i had been vaguely aware of the game plants vs zombies for some time from the pop culture buzz that it had created but rather than get me excited this mainstream appeal simply made me approach it with some skepticism still Given I'd only paid £2 for it, the game would have to have fallen a long way short of even my low expectations for it not to have represented value for money. As it was, Plants vs Zombies pleasantly surprised me. I don't tend to find many games truly addictive anymore, but this one proved that my 10-year-old self, clinging to his Game Boy and pleading desperately to be allowed to stay up for just five more minutes, is still <laughs> alive and well somewhere inside me. The perfect blend of delightful presentation and tight gameplay mechanics targeted my pleasure receptors with laser-like accuracy. I sometimes feel frustrated and overwhelmed when strategy games pile on more and more options on which to splash whatever the in-game currency is. I like to feel that I have a familiar and settled arsenal like an old pair of comfy slippers. In the case of PVZ, or Z, I felt that the perfect balance was struck in increasing these options in increments, but also ensuring that some of the first plants available to you retained strategic value even towards the end of the game. The one major complaint I have with the game was that my fiancée found it just as engaging as I did. It's bad <laughs> enough having to contest with her for control of the TV on a nightly basis, but the PC is sacred territory. I have to admit, though, I did enjoy seeing the expression on her face the first time a bungee zombie unceremoniously plucked one of her kernel pults from its rooftop plant pot. 
what PVZ sets out to do, it excels at with bags of charm and surprising depth. Thank you, Ryan and Andrew. Yes, Andrew Brown, who we can hear on the, uh, the Legend of Zelda Sound of Play special, actually. Uh, he comes with us with... I didn't expect to get on with Plants vs. Zombies as well as I did. Tower defense games are typically a genre I play for a few hours until I lose a map, turn off, then never get around to coming back to. There's something endearing about PVZ's fa- friendly colors and large, distinct sprites, in spite of its somewhat grim subject matter. It carries more depth than I immediately expected. By the time you've gotten comfortable with the strategy, it is disrupted by the introduction of either new types of zombies or a change in the maps you're playing on. Walnuts and spike weeds might dominate an uncluttered lawn, but is disrupted by erupting graves on a nighttime map, by your own pool on the pool map, or by unexpectedly desert-like environment of your roof. The adventure mode does an effective job of easing the player into these unexpected nuances, but comes at too slow of a pace. Introducing one new plant or zombie per map in a game packed with both feels less like an adventure than a tutorial that takes five hours to get through. The minigame style maps in particular feel shallow in comparison to the core game. The payoff is worth it, however, as getting through the adventure gets you access to the survival mode, which feels like a real core of the game more than the tedious adventure. Once you work your way through these considerably more challenging and engaging maps and get to survival endless, Plants vs. Zombies reaches a zen-like quality of gameplay in the spirit of Tetris and other legendary portable puzzle games. I'm particularly fond of the game's sound. The music is one that echoes through my mind on a regular basis, an occurrence I do not mind at all. And increasing or decreasing its tempo, and adding additional instruments as the player situation becomes more dire, is nothing new, but music design is nonetheless, is nevertheless implemented well. The raspy intonation of the zombies are coming is iconic, and many of the zombies, particularly the -the jack-in-the-box zombie and disco zombie, have extremely recognizable sounds heralding their appearance, letting the players know just how in trouble they are, even on the fog level. I only wish this level of thought was put into the sounds of all of the zombies. I'd like to say that the player could describe exactly what zombies are about to come out of your yard's hedge simply by listening to the sounds they make, and this would certainly give them an edge in building defenses without having to stop and look at the field, but sadly, I don't believe you could. I played Plants vs. Zombies through its PC release on a tablet, as well as most recently in the Xbox Live Arcade release. Playing with a gamepad occasionally resulted in misplaced plants and missolar energy and coins as the game's pace became too frantic for a joystick controlled controller for a joystick controlled cursor to keep up with to keep up with. Nevertheless, it was an enjoyable experience, and if you can't or won't play the game on a touchscreen, it is certainly a viable alternative. For players looking for a fun and unusual game to play, or trying to break into the tower defense genre, it's difficult to not recommend Plants vs. Zombies the way I would recommend Super Mario Bros. for platformers or Super Mario RPG for RPGs. It exudes the simple competence and uncluttered designs that mark an accessible and approachable entry in what can be a dense and impenetrable genre. Thanks, Andrew, as always. Uh, and next up, we have uh, Owen Kettleson or Kettleson. I'm not sure. Anyway, Plants vs. Zombies is very likely 
the most widely adored tower defence game of all time, at least... At the very least, it is certainly the most decorated. The game was a surprising phenomenon for a genre that had typically been viewed as web browser fodder. Yes, the game is mechanically simple when compared to similar titles released before and after it, but it's unfair to assume that Plants vs Zombies is only well-liked because it's approachable by the mainstream. Plants vs Zombies actually fixes one of the major flaws in almost all tower defence games by being explicitly simple in how it relays information to the player. For comparison's sake, think of any traditional tower defence game, games like Desktop Tower Defence 2007 or Pixel Junk Monsters, also 2007. So many of these games have a terrible time relaying to the player what exact gameplay choices were correct or beneficial and which were mistakes. These games have many mechanical systems twisted together very tightly and it's very hard for the player to isolate them in their mind. A level can be failed through poor economy management, poor time management, poor unit placement or poor unit choice, just to name a few. As these systems are tied so tightly, it's often impossible to figure out where the player went wrong. Too often a player will misidentify where they failed and mistake which specific choice failed them. The player is almost always taking away the wrong lessons from a specific round of a tower defence game. They merely progress through the early game based on its ease. This will inevitably lead to an eventual challenge the player can't overcome and they won't have the tools to evaluate what they should be doing differently. Most players won't want to blindly experiment, and it's here they'll bounce off the game. Too many mechanics wound too tightly. Plants vs Zombies, on the other hand, makes it abundantly clear to the player what works and what doesn't. As the game space is split into five very segmented lanes, the player is almost playing five entirely separate games at once. If the player's top lane, consisting of chompers, is overrun while the lane of snow peas is not, the player instantly understands what kind of mistake they made. Plus, the game usually chooses not to hide information like time remaining until the next big wave, or even which zombies will constitute that wave. The game provides the player with the information they need to make strategic decisions, which makes the decisions rewarding even if they were easy. Plants vs Zombies sequesters its game space and its mechanics to make a game that is legible and thus enjoyable. Sure, this makes Plants vs Zombies significantly easier than other tower defence games, but this trade-off totally sheds the obtuseness typical of its peers and makes a game that is never unfair. PopCap is smart to offer so many side modes, game types, puzzles and mutators to keep the game from getting stale, as it does essentially tell you how to beat it. Beautifully analysed, I would mm. say. Yeah. James up again. Yep. Gail Pinto says, Plants vs. Zombies is awesome. Three's eventually defeated it as my favourite iOS game, but for a good long time, Plants vs. Zombies wore the crown. I had already played and loved Peggle, so I was very quick to download this tower defence game. The charm is immediately apparent. The actual plants and zombies are a mixture of adorable and hilarious. The legitimately spooky music combines with the ridiculous cartoon visuals to form a great mashup. Crazy Dave was used sparingly enough to make me chuckle each time he showed up. The other main thing that Plants vs Zombies nails is the difficulty. Most tower defence games that I've tried are brutally and frustratingly difficult. Plants vs Zombies can get challenging, but never impossible. I think that's really important because it allows you to experiment with all of the different plants. In other games there end up only being one or two winning combinations. In Plants vs Zombies I can try to win each level with radically different teams of plants. Plants vs. Zombies is both fun and clever, and I'd highly recommend it. Thank you very much. Let's conclude from uh, the forum with Kiss Mammal. Ryan. Yes, my favourite kind of mammal. 
I adore this mm-hmm. game and have played it through in its entirety at least twice. To my mind, it's one of the very best mobile games ever devised, with one of the most finely judged difficulty curves in any game I've ever played. The complexity is steadily piled on with every passing level, but never so much as to overwhelm. The campaign is also uncannily perfect in its length and completion time. I always Always a pleasure to play, challenging but never frustrating. The gorgeously drawn graphics and irreverent sense of humor only add to the charm. Interestingly, uh, just really quickly on Kiss Mammal being your favorite mammal, it wasn't until at the Adventure Modes um, finale uh, just last night that I realized that not only is the dolphin riding zombie a zombie, but the dolphin is as well. Yeah. I don't know yeah. why I'd never noticed that before. So <laughs> yeah, it's got from, a, it's from got our a fierce, favorite type. Yeah, it's got a fierce look about it. It does, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Uh, it's bearing its teeth and all sorts, yeah. <laughs> it's also just struck me, I mean, I knew this already, but the pretty much effusive praise from our forum correspondents for the original mm. Plants vs. Zombies compared to some of the same people, some other people, um, really quite dismissive of the sequel but i'd be so interested yeah. to know which one made more money like did mm. did did the original plants versus mm. zombies across all all its many formats being sold for a one-off fee make all the money or did the less uh critically successful pvz2 uh with its microtransactions end up making popcap like you know 10 times the cash i guess we'll never know now, reviews in just three words from Twitter. Follow us, do, at Kane and Rince. There's still loads of you who don't follow us. Please do. Why not? At Kane and Rince. Indeed. Uh, Hunter 30, we heard from uh, them earlier, but here with three words. Zombies are coming. Sorry, I, I don't have the voice for, for that. It, well, in my head, it sounds like it, but... You say that. <laughs> Zombies are coming. There we go. That. Far better than I could ever manage. Andrew Brown uh, says, Nerf spike weeds. Lego Solo, where's my bacon? Lee Hennigan? I think so. Apologies if that's not correct. Lee. Um, seedy, weedy, greedy. The, uh, <laughs> the appropriately named Zomoniac. So many sunflowers. Christopher Charing, Plenty and Zombie E. <laughs> Paul Derham must water plants <laughs> Alex 79 UK pee off zombies <laughs> Laurie Forder florals fight formaldehyde good that's a lovely one <laughs> freelance police walnut and tallnut Luke Moore carnivorous flower power Nick Wirt undead disco fever Peter deceptively deep strategy and Gaio Pinto peak pop cap pleasure. Thank you, everybody. So let us summarize. Uh, would you recommend that people seek out Plants vs. Zombies and play it? And on which formats? Bearing in mind the uh, information <laughs> that we found out earlier. James. Um, so would I recommend that? I would have recommended it on Vita, but I, I can't now. Um, part of the reason is that... Um, on PC, you can't run it in it in sort of native format. It's always going to be windowed and four by three. You can put it in full screen mode, but it stretches rather than it's not up to the resolution of say a 1080p monitor. Um, 
which is fine for playing it. It means you can have something else on alongside it, or you know, you can just have it on in the background and play around at work in between doing other stuff. Um, not that I have, uh, but uh, but on on Vita it looked really lovely. So that's unfortunate. But that said, I've just played through a ridiculous number of hours of it this week on PC and loved every second. It's probably not a surprise for anyone who's listened uh, to this podcast that I would put it in probably my top 20 games of all time. Um, Literally the only thing I think I would say against it is if it was, hypothetically speaking, final games podcast being in in my ears today, uh, if I was on a desert island with only eight games to play, I possibly wouldn't take it because once you've kind of certainly in my case, been through and got all the achievements twice, Survival Endless is not really enough to keep me coming back indefinitely. That said, with a couple of years gap between playing it on Vita and then, actually more than that, four years gap between playing it on Vita and going back to it on PC now, I had an absolute whale of a time um, playing through this again. In terms of just being a one of those one-more-go games, the number of times I'd get through a level of adventure mode and think, I can knock the next next one the head quickly. Let's just do that. Um, the learning curve through it when you're playing it first time, and then the the self challenge I'd put on getting that perfect run through adventure mode with never failing out and challenging myself to get as much sun collected as possible and stuff like that um, did just it was just so much fun to go back to. Um, I I absolutely love Plants vs Zombies in all of its incarnations. So wherever you can get hold of it go for it should have should have let you go last with that effusive uh, oh no I, i'm sure you and ryan will have a more far more eloquent and lovely things to say i don't think so um i mean i i do like plants versus zombies uh this is me going by the way um i do recommend it that you seek it out um i uh particularly liked the uh ios and 360 versions and as i say you can pick up the 360 version play it on xbox one now if that's the console you've got set up um and i would recommend that you do so um but it would it's not a game that would sort of trouble my all-time favorites uh but every time i've played it that's playing it for this show has been the third time through the adventure mode plus i've spent some time but not tons with the other the various other modes that you uh, unlock and uncover as the game goes on and um i've had a good time every time and it it as i say it's a game that makes me smile it's charming it's compelling uh i like the audio visual side of it it's just it's just a lot of satisfying pleasing uh fun for the idle brain i think um yeah it's got a few genuine chuckles in it um and yeah that's it that's it i'm see less eloquent <laughs> but but still a recommendation <laughs> ryan let's conclude with you uh, Plants vs. Zombies, I think, is a really excellent distillation of a genre that um, kind of comes in and out of popularity and has perhaps never hit the like mainstream mainstream. Uh, I guess recently we've seen some pretty clever things done with it, with uh, that uh, Slippy Toad tower defense game that came with Star Fox and with... Uh, oh, yeah. Um, Five Nights at Freddy's was was getting some, if you kind of count that as like a non-traditional tower defense. But as far as like tower defense, it's always been either like the most casual of games. And I don't mean that as like a disparaging comment. I just mean like in the, uh, it was the type of game that you would like click over to a Flash website to play uh, just, you know, on a, on a lunch break or something, that kind of casual. Um, 
or it was like the most hardcore of games, meaning like the least accessible. And so I think this fits as like a, a really nice middle ground. I think that it, um, it it does distill its elements really well and makes everything really readable, as one of our uh, correspondents said this week. And um, I think it's a good game to like to learn aspects of design from, to learn from the uh, tutorialization, mm. to learn from a lot of the presentation elements. Um, it, it feels a little bit dated these days, but uh, I, I still think it, it plays just as well as it ever has. And it's a pleasant experience, one that I don't feel like massively changed my life in any ways. But um, yeah, it, it's it's pleasant nonetheless. I think you'll have a good time if you sit down with it even today. Um I think for me, the uh, just the overall aesthetic has been a little bit sullied by what the series has become since then. I've heard that <laughs> the uh, um, Garden Warfare games are actually quite good, but the uh, the sequel and you know every time that EA kind of like trances out one of these zombies to do a little dance on their stage at the E3 conferences or something, it kind of makes my heart <laughs> sink a little bit and just endears me to this series a little bit less. And so perhaps mm-hmm. like a lack of enthusiasm isn't necessarily due to any failings of this game, but just kind of the eventual uh, de-evolution of PopCap as an entity. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's one that I, I think is uh is worth experiencing for the people who are really kind of developmentally minded um i don't mean that to, to have development of games in mind yeah <laughs> yeah, we, yeah we know what you mean don't worry <laughs> um but uh yeah i mean for the for the average player i i don't think that i really like gained or lost a lot by spending all that time with plants versus zombies See, James, you go again. <laughs> Rewind the podcast a couple of minutes. Listen to, yeah. listen to me again. That's only that's only my thing of wanting to finish with the most effusive, but uh, we actually kind of went in reverse there. But uh, I think I think we've all been uh, perfectly happy with the game overall. Uh, yeah. Just, yeah. Do, yeah. Excellent. Plants vs. Zombies End. Uh, wonder what uh, the main man, George Fan, is doing now. Um, I notice his Twitter profile still says... Plants vs. Zombies mainly. Um, so yeah, we shall see. Anyway, just remains for me, Leon, to thank James and Ryan and to tell you that next time, and I'm not going to do the voice for this one, in <laughs> issue 230, I'm going to do my voice because it will sound great in it. Maybe I should get Ryan to do it. Hey, 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 it's time to make some crazy money. Are you ready? Here we go. Crazy Taxi. Crazy Taxi.